0: I invite you to turn with me once again this morning to the book of Mark. We're going to jump back into our study of the book of Mark. Two weeks ago we were here um, before Blake Purcell spoke last week. And you might remember Jesus had wandered outside of the borders of Israel into regions uh, that were primarily Gentile regions. And there he came in contact with two people in particular, a deaf and a mute man and a Syrophoenician Woman, and we were reminded that he loves to give to those who don't deserve and know they don't deserve, and that he came to meet us in our need. And really, as we move on to the next section, the next paragraphs, the next account of Jesus that Mark gives us, we underline those things. We undergird those things. Today he remains, Jesus does, in that same region, the region of the Decapolis, a region which we believe is not exclusively non-Jew, but is primarily non-Jew. Primarily Gentiles reside there. And that's important for uh, our passage today as we turn once again to God's Word. So Mark chapter 8, it's found in your insert as well. You can follow along there if you'd like. If you are able, I invite you to stand as I read the scripture this morning. Mark chapter 8 verses 1 through 21. Mark chapter 8 verses 1 through 21. In those days when again a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he, that is Jesus, called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they've been with me now three days and they have nothing to eat. And they had a small, a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full, and there were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away. And immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha, When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? Amen. This is the word of the Lord. This morning we're going to spend uh, an abbreviated time in Mark chapter 8. We've got a lot going on in our service, and so I just want to give you a heads up for the fact that hopefully this will be a a bit shorter than uh, weeks past as we've worked through these passages. I think it's a passage that we can get away with being abbreviated at, uh, but I do want to focus on two truths uh, from God's word this morning, and these are two essential things that we need to hear week in and week out, day in and day out. And so, the first one is this: Jesus is the bread that you need. Jesus is the bread you need. Many of you have been here. We, you're, I'm reading this passage, and and you're thinking. Wow, this is all new. We haven't seen anything like this, right? Thousands on a hillside. They've got nothing to eat. Jesus and his disciples, they got some bread. They got some fish. Jesus sends them away full, right? We've never seen anything like this. We say, no, we, wait a second. You're flipping back in your Bibles. I thought we just talked about this story. Didn't Mark already tell us this? And indeed, critics of God's Word, critics of the Bible, they want to tell you that yes, Mark did tell you this. And that this is an example of Jesus' followers just beefing up the miracles a little bit. They couldn't come up with a new miracle for Jesus to do, so they regurgitated an old miracle. They changed a few details. They changed a few numbers. And here it is, Jesus doing it again to bolster their belief that Jesus is God. Is that what's happening here? And we say no. No. No, there are certainly similarities to what Jesus did here in Mark chapter 8 and what he did back in Mark chapter 6. But without going into a long argument and getting off on a tangent of why these two events are distinctly different, all we need to do is look at verses 19 and 20. Because what does Jesus do in verses 19 and 20? He speaks about each event individually. In other words, these are two distinct events, although they are incredibly similar the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. But the question is why? Why are they so similar and why are they here? Is Mark just recording this for us to say, oh, here's Jesus at it again, doing the unimaginable, doing what no one else can do? Jesus is God. Is that what Mark's doing? Just giving us another occurrence? I think there's much more here than at first glance. Jesus' words linking the two events I think tell us what the point is. And they tell us that something more is needing to be communicated. It centers around this one word. Bread. Bread. I mean, think about, those of you who have been here as we've worked through this passage or as we've worked through this uh, these recent passages in the book of Mark. Notice how much bread has been talked about. It begins way back in chapter six, with the feeding of the 5,000. What was it about? It was all about bread. It was all about the Son of God multiplying bread. And then that incident carries itself into the boat. When Jesus walks on water, in Mark chapter six, verse 52, Jesus says they didn't, or Mark says about the disciples, they did not understand about the loaves. They didn't get the bread part. And then in verse two of chapter seven, the disciples are coming to eat their bread without unwashed hands, and the Pharisees jump all over them. And then in chapter seven, verse 28, there's this whole discussion that Jesus has with this Gentile woman about bread falling to the floor, right? About crumbs falling to the floor. And then here in chapter 8, He again feeds people with bread. And again, Jesus' disciples forget to bring bread in the boat. It carries into the boat again. It's like bread, 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 bread. Through all of this action, through all this talk about bread, Jesus... And subsequently, the Holy Spirit who gave us this account of Jesus is wanting to communicate to all his followers that Jesus is the bread you need. And much to the astonishment of his disciples, Jesus is the bread not just for them, but Jesus is the bread for everybody. For all who come to him. Let me explain. Thousands of people have gathered, right, in this account. Many of them are non-Jewish. They're Gentile. They're in a Gentile region. They've come to listen to Jesus. They've left their chores. They've left their jobs. They've left their schedules. And apparently they've left their lunches. They probably weren't looking for an excuse to leave all of that. But when they encountered Jesus, when they heard about Jesus, they they couldn't help themselves. And so here they are in the middle of nowhere. They've been with Jesus for three days. And how do we find out that they need something to eat? It's not their own whining or complaining. It's Jesus Himself. These people, as far as we know, as far as Mark tells us, all these people want is Jesus. They are hungry for Jesus. They want more of Jesus. They are literally illustrating the truth that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And that may not seem practical, but that's where true life is. And so these people are Just going with it. But Jesus is concerned about not just their spiritual state, He's concerned about their stomachs. He is the the good shepherd who's concerned about that kind of stuff. And so Jesus feeds them, not just with His words, but with this physical, miraculous sustenance through seven loaves and small fish. And again, we have this miracle where the food just keeps coming. It just keeps coming. And again, we have the declaration, the same declaration we had back in chapter 6, that the people ate and were satisfied. And not only did Jesus produce enough for everyone to be filled, but just like the first time, there is leftovers. But do you notice a difference in the leftovers? Last time, there were 12 baskets left over. And the word that was used for basket was a Greek word that has the connotation of a small basket. 12 small baskets for Jesus' 12 followers. 12 men who were representative of the 12 tribes of Israel. God's people. The ones He came for. Jesus provides for His own. Jesus provides for His people. But what do we have here? Seven baskets. And the Greek word that is used for basket here, it's a different word. It's not the same basket. It's a different kind of basket. It's the same word that's used in Acts chapter 9 when they put Paul, Saul he was called at that time, they put Saul in a basket and they led him over the wall. That's the kind of basket that this is talking about. We're talking like a man-sized hamper-type basket. And what's the point? Well, this miracle is all about extravagance. This miracle is all about more than enough. And it's no mistake that this miracle takes place in a Gentile region. Jesus is the bread not just for Israel. Jesus is the bread for all people. For Jew and for Gentile. For slave or for free. Jesus provides more than enough. But it's not about the bread, right? It's not about the bread. Jesus came not just to give bread, but to be bread. And so all of this miracle Both of these miracles about bread and about Jesus filling the bellies of His people and of Gentiles to satisfaction, it's not about Jesus providing for their needs. It's about Jesus providing Himself. I am the bread of life. Jesus is the bread that the manna in the wilderness pointed to. Jesus is the living water that flowed from the rock. Jesus is the one who, if you come to him, you will never hunger and thirst again. You see, Jesus sighs in this passage again. It's a big sigh. And he sighs because everyone's missing it. Even those closest to him. They're missing what he's trying to communicate. I remember being a high school teacher, and there's nothing more discouraging grading papers and just grading these papers and just having your students just They're missing it. They're not getting it. They're not, I'm not communicating what I'm trying to say, but here Jesus, Jesus is not the problem. Jesus is communicating what he's trying to say. He's communicating who he is, but his disciples and the Pharisees, they're not getting it. And how often we don't get it. Oh, I know we get it intellectually. I get it intellectually. We come here and we sing about Jesus being our all in all, but then we go out and we fill ourselves with all sorts of imposters. Jeremiah 2.13, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and have hewed for themselves broken cisterns that can hold no water. I know I'm guilty of that. Jesus is the bread I need. Jesus is the bread you need. Jesus is the only bread we need. That's the first thing I think Mark wants us to see this morning. And the second truth is this. Jesus calls you. To believe. It's pretty simple. Jesus calls you to believe. To believe that first point. To believe that Jesus is the bread that you need. Not just once in your life, in order to guarantee eternal life, but every second of every day. Jesus is the bread you need. And not just believe in Him, but want to know Him. And to live in Him. And to know that He is enough. And Jesus cautions His followers here too in this next section to be mindful, to be watchful of those things that cause us to lose focus. As we move back into the passage, into the account, Jesus is now back on the western side after this miracle. He's back on the western side of the Sea of Galilee. Back into primarily Jewish territory. And He runs across the Pharisees who are now, at this point, they're hunting Jesus. And they immediately confront Him. They want a sign. They want a sign that He's legit, that He is the real deal. of course, we think to ourselves as readers, what more do they need? What more sign do they need? They don't need more evidence. And that's true of the Pharisees' hearts. They don't need a sign. All the evidence in the world wouldn't change their hardened positions. And this is where Jesus sighs specifically and gives the strongest of answers. Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And then He turns away from His... The religious leaders of his day, and he turns to his disciples. Surely his disciples are finally getting it, right? He just did the same type of miracle that he did before. There's bread all over these accounts. And what's happening in the boat? The disciples are noticing that they forgot to bring bread. Jesus says, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now, we tend to think of yeast in... well, maybe we don't, but... when we think of yeast, we think of bread. We think of yummy bread, right? And and you need yeast to have bread rise. This wonderful powder that turns flat dough into puffy, fluffy, wonderful bread. But in reality, yeast, which is a type of leaven, is a fungus. And so in the Bible, it's often used... Negatively, there's this negative connotation attached to yeast. And if we were to bring Jesus' comments into the modern context, we could use the word cancer. Right? Eleven slowly transforms the character of dough. Cancer slowly permeates the body. And so Jesus says essentially, watch out for the cancer of the Pharisees. Watch out for the cancer of Herod. We say, what is this? What is this all about? Well, we know what this is about because we've looked at the men before. We've looked at their lives before. For the Pharisees, the cancer was empty tradition, self-righteousness, self-centeredness. For Herod, it was worldliness, pleasure, sensual things. Jesus says, Herod and the Pharisees are spiritually gone. The cancer has permeated their body. They're they're in the last stages. Which is why Jesus turns His back on them. But in the boat, He focuses on His disciples. These guys, these dumb guys who keep stressing about stuff, even though Jesus has just turned bread and multiplied it for thousands of people, they are stressed about the fact that they've forgotten bread. And Jesus says, Do you not see me? Do you not understand when I stilled the sea, when I walked on water, when I provided for thousands? Didn't you see when I gave the deaf man his hearing? I am sufficient. I am the bread you need. I will satisfy you. I will care for you. So believe me. And essentially, he asks the same question to us. The same question he asks here, "Do you not remember?" Because when we forget who God is, when we forget what He has done, when we live our lives as if He doesn't exist, it's unbelief. And Jesus says, "Believe. Believe me." Every morning when you wake up, believe who I am. Are you stressed about the politics of the day? Remember, King Jesus sits enthroned today. Holds the hearts of every leader, of every nation, of every country, of every people. Are you stressed about your finances? He who clothes the sparrows will certainly clothe you. He walks with you. You are united to Him. You are filled with His Spirit. You are not orphans. You are His children. And yet how easily do we live as orphans? You see, this morning the Holy Spirit just wants us to remember that Jesus is the bread that we need. And so come out of your unbelief. Recognize and remember who He is. He is the treasure of this life and the next. And He will satisfy. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank You for Your Word this morning. Thank You for the message of the Gospel which Mark proclaims to us over and over and over again through Jesus' life, through Jesus' miracles. Father, we confess, even though we sit here and we think, how could the disciples have missed it? We confess that we're no different. That we, like them, are tempted to despair in our circumstances as if we're alone to stress in our need as if the All-Sufficient One is not our God. Oh Father, this message is so simple and yet it's so hard to live. Father, in every area of our life, in every success, in every sorrow, in every joy, in every pain, in every relationship, in every task. May we live in Him. May we believe that Jesus is enough. Draw our hearts close to Him, we pray. And do Your work in us. In Jesus' name. Amen.